You're listening to Heather Solves Everything, a show about discovering strengths and solving problems. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Hey friends, welcome to Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where I take credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to the people who actually are. It's a problem-solving show. Each week I bring your big questions to the people with solutions. I'm Heather Fuselay, and my friends call me Healthy Heather. You can call me Healthy Heather because I'm a National Board Certified Health and Wellbeing Coach. That means that I work with people to help them live healthy, balanced lives. It's why I created this show. I wanted to have a place where you and I can come together to discover what makes us great and how we can use what we know about ourselves to solve our problems and help others solve theirs. And I'm really glad that you're here. I'd love to get to know you. Look for Heather Solves Everything on Facebook and Instagram. That's where I post all of the extra stuff about the show and where I'm sharing 22 things that I'm doing in 2022. And whatever podcasting app you're listening on, click follow or subscribe to set up automatic downloads. Then you never have to wonder when the next show is coming out. It will magically appear for you on your phone. This episode is going to be a lot of fun because I've got my friend, the Reverend Sheldon Steen, um, sharing the mic with me. If you have listened to previous episodes of the show, then you might be familiar with Sheldon. He's the guy that I call when I've got the big questions about life. And the reason I call him is because he is the pastor at my church and also happens to be one of the coolest guys that I know. He's somebody that's got lots of answers. And I'm glad that he decided to come and talk with us today about how to deal when life isn't fair. Now, you can follow Sheldon online. Um, Just go to Christ Presbyterian Church of Tallahassee on Facebook, and you'll be able to hear him every Sunday morning at 1030. He is also a home brewer, and I'm so excited to be one of the first customers when he and his friends, his business partners, opened Amicus Brewing Venture in Tallahassee, ABV for short. Look for them on social media. You will definitely want to follow them. Sheldon, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's always good to be here. Are you ready to solve everything? I'm so ready. Let's do it. All right, let's get into it. All right, so Sheldon, I asked you here today because I personally have been struggling with something that affects a lot of people, but it's been bothering me and I felt like I needed to have some time with Sheldon. Life is not fair. I don't know if you've noticed. (laughs) I have noticed. (laughs) Life is not fair. Recently, I've gotten news from multiple people in my life. It just seems like this overwhelming wave of bad news, of bad things happening to people who don't deserve it. And while I know that this is part of life, it still makes me sad and angry. And I want to rage and wail about it, even though I know that it won't change anything. I know that it's a mindset thing. I know that I've got the tools to be able to see things differently and feel better about things. But it still really sucks. And I felt like I wanted to hear from you on this subject because I'm guessing you probably hear this a lot. Uh, I do. I mean, yeah, absolutely. All the time. Um, 
as a pastor, just as a person who exists in the world, um, we are constantly confronted with things, whether, like you said, friends and loved ones who are going through things that it just feels cruel and arbitrary and unfair, or, you know, situations that we go through uh, all the time. I mean, it, the, the world at times can feel just completely out of whack. And, you know, we're taught, like, if you're a good person, you know, good things kind of come back to you. Um, and I think a lot of times that is true. A lot of times it feels true, at least based on our experience. But uh, a lot of times it, it just feels, again, arbitrary. And like, why, why would it happen in this way? And why would the world be structured in this way? It would be really nice if it were as simple as do good things, good things happen. Unfortunately, that's not the case. I, right. And I, I, I think that sometimes I feel this most acutely when I notice um, a, a part of my personality that I don't really like, you know, kind of like a, a grumpy, judgmental, um, sarcastic part of my brain <laughs> that grumbles. Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I, I am I'm sitting with these feelings of, you know, a friend who's recently had a really scary and unfair health diagnosis, you know, of life is, is going to end shorter than it should, or a friend whose child is, is facing a terminal illness, or someone who, you know, just seems like they, they work and work and work and work and nothing ever pans out for them. Mm. And I feel like I take those things more personally than I should, but yeah, I think that's just part of my personality. I internalize those things. I feel yeah. those feelings. And then I I see somebody walk by talking and beaming about how they're so blessed. <laughs> and part of my brain wants to say, well, it must be nice to be blessed. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to reconcile how do we put together this feeling of unfairness and also this concept of being blessed, even yeah. in the face of that. What, do, what does God say about the unfairness of life? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. And I mean, it's, it's a sentiment that I, you know, very much track with, um, you know, and as where I always begin, of course, as, as a pastor and, you know, thinking through this questions of, of God and, and life and theology and all this, of course, we begin with the Bible, right? And the thing I, I love most about the Bible that has taken me a long time to come to love is that there, there is not one simple answer to this question. So like for, in, for instance, if we take the example of, this is one of my favorite examples where you know, all of these texts in what we call the Old Testament of the Hebrew Bible are struggling with this question of the exile. Why did we go through this experience where our, our people were wiped out, our city was razed, our temple was destroyed, you know, these foreign occupiers have come in and, and kicked many of us out of the land. We were faithful. We were doing the things that God told us to do. Why, why has this happened to us? And all throughout these texts that are dealing with this question, you get a bunch of different answers. Some people are saying, well, actually, uh, you were not faithful, and this is God's punishment. Others are saying, no, 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 we were faithful. Why has God allowed this to happen? Right? So there's this dialogue that's happening back and forth which can be frustrating because it would be great to just open it up and say, oh, here's the answer right here. This is exactly what God says, and this is exactly what I would believe. But instead, what we, what we see in many ways is kind of a mirror, right? It, it reflects our experience of 
people struggling with these questions of how do we resolve this basic tension that exists in the world that is, you know, we think good things should happen because we're being good and we're being faithful, yet, you know, calamity has struck, disaster uh, is upon us. How do we make sense of this? So in a lot of ways, I mean, it would be great to be able to resolve that tension, but I just don't think we can. I think it's a tension that is just there that we have to learn to live with in some ways, you know, in, in a lot of ways, like literally for our own survival, because if we can't learn to live with that tension, those feelings that you're talking about, I mean, can absolutely eat us up and destroy us from the inside out. Um, I mean, and there's, there's just story after story and text after text in the Bible of people dealing with these kinds of questions. I, I think also, of, you know, in John chapter nine, there's a Jesus and his disciples walk across a, a man who was born blind. And they asked this question of Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it his parents or was it him? Right? So this is basic question that assumes, okay, uh, he has this disability that he was born with that must come from someone's fault. Someone must have done something wrong. And Jesus answers very abruptly, like, no, that's not how this works, right? Nobody sinned that this, you know, should happen to this man. You know, it, he doesn't really provide a great answer other than, you know, look, look what God can do and look what comes out of this, right? There's a, a healing that takes place from there. But the answer to the basic question is nobody sinned. That's, that's not how the world works, right? Um, and so, yeah, seeing, seeing those people go through those things, particularly when you hear stories of people who, are healed, right? Someone who gets a diagnosis that seems terminal and then miracle of miracles, they, they recover, they, they pull through and we call that a blessing, right? And people talk about the power of prayer. But then on the other hand, you look at, you know, a friend or a loved one for whom that terminal diagnosis is actually terminal. They don't make it. And then you're left to wonder, well, did we not pray hard enough? Did we not pray right enough? You know, we're, we're nine of us praying the right way, but that 10th person messed it up. You know, like, how do, how do we make sense in that context of what is blessing when it doesn't seem to, you know, follow any kind of rhyme or reason? I think that's going to be something that we're definitely going to dig into. What does it really mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be a blessing? And what role does our faith play in how we make peace with the reality of life. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. I can't promise we're going to solve this, but we're going to talk about it when we come back. Stay with us. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying today's show, come on over to Facebook and Instagram. That's where I post all of the extra stuff, and I'd love to connect with you there. Don't go anywhere. The conversation continues right now. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything, and I am here today with my friend, the Reverend Sheldon Steen. If you're a fan of the show, then you probably remember hearing Sheldon Answer My Legitimate Questions from Atheists to Christians. That's an episode called Devil's Advocate. We had a lot of fun with that. Um, I think that might be one of our most downloaded episodes. Hey, all right. Yeah. So go and check that one out. Today, we'll do it again then. Yeah, we should. We should because there's more questions. For T sure. Today, though, we're talking about 
you know, something that is no surprise to you. Life is not fair. I mean, that's not new information. We know that. We've been told since we were kids, nobody ever said that life was fair. And we all go through our own personal process of coming to acceptance in that. But it doesn't change the fact that when bad things happen to good people, that it super duper sucks really, really bad. And that there's anger and confusion and and feelings of ambivalence towards this whole faith thing that we try to walk in. Because what kind of God lets a kid get cancer? What kind of God takes a mother away from her family? And I, those types of questions aren't truly fair for me to ask. I don't feel because who ever said that God was doing any of that? Life is life. And my perspective is that God helps us deal with life. Mm. And I hope that Sheldon here today can help us learn some ways that we can do that because sometimes even when we recognize that life isn't fair and that's just part of life it can hold us back it can be a distraction and I wonder Sheldon what's your advice for moving forward in spite of life's unfairness yeah it's I mean it's so hard and it's such a great question because we we want answers you know we we want it to make sense and I think that's part of why we, uh, you know, when you think about when, when tragedy strikes and we surround people who are in grief, who are in shock and all of those things, we so quickly resort to platitudes. You know, we say things like, oh, you know, heaven needed another angel or, you know, God has a plan, even though it's hard. And those things might be true. Like, I don't I don't know. They might be true, but I know that they are not helpful for somebody who is in the throes of grief, who is in you know, in that place of just their world has fallen apart and they don't know how to put the pieces back together. So I think in terms of, you know, how we deal with with life's unfairness and uncertainty, number one is by connecting with with people around us who aren't going to, you know, use those platitudes, who aren't going to just offer those simple answers and who are really willing to sit with us in grief, who are really willing to sit with us in mourning. To go back to like a biblical example, you know, there's this famous uh, story of Job who lost basically everything. You know, he lost his children, he lost his land, his cattle, his, you know, all of his livestock, everything. He had these terrible sores on his body. His, you know, his wife is basically saying, Job, why do you continue to praise God? Just curse God and die, right? So eventually Job has three friends who show up and for three days they sit with him in silence. They just sit. That's all they do. They don't say a word. And then they go on these extended speeches to explaining to Job all about how the world works and how it must be that he has done something wrong because God is punishing him for it. Job maintains his innocence. They go back and forth. This long, long, long stretch of, of dialogue. But I mean, basically the point is they did the perfect thing up until the point where they opened their mouths, right? <laughs> as soon as they started talking, they screwed it up. Right. And God pretty much confirms this at the end of the book. God at the end of the book says, Job has spoken rightly about me. You have not. So Job is there shaking his fist at God. Job is there 
calling God to task, calling God out, right? So having that space where you have people around you who allow you to feel those things, who don't resort to those easy answers, and to allow ourselves the space, like God can handle our anger. God can handle our accusations. God can handle all of that. I don't know why we're so afraid of being a little bit angry at God sometimes. Like you're allowed. That's it's it's biblical, it turns out, right? <laughs> it's biblical to be mad at God when things go poorly. Read the Psalms. The Psalms are full of people shaking their fists in anger. A bunch of other stuff as well. But to you know, to allow ourselves to not feel this, you know, like sense of just incredible reverence that we have to have an answer and it can't offend God. Like God is not offended by that. Be Embrace your emotions, be open to them, and surround yourself with people who also allow you to feel and experience those things. That makes me feel a lot better about not ever knowing what to say when somebody experiences a loss. Yeah. And, yeah. Know, especially you know, considering that I'm a, I'm a writer and a professional speaker. Right. <laughs> you, know, you would think that I would have these beautiful words. and You should I, have the right words. I should it. have them. <laughs> and when it comes time for that type of communication, I just am at a loss. Yeah, mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but I, I would be much better suited at just sitting in silence and, yeah. and affirming the suckiness of the situation. Absolutely. You know, until, I, until we think of the next thing that's helpful to say. Right. Well, and most of the time, that's that's what people need. You know, I mean, that's what people need is like someone to literally sit with them, maybe hold their hand if that's what they want to affirm that what they're feeling makes makes more sense than the tragedy that just happened. Right. And to like to say, yeah, this sucks. And I am so sorry that you're going through it to not immediately jump to let me fix it for you by giving you the right frame with which to understand what happened to you. Because that's that may not be their frame that they they need to come to terms with it on their own rather than you providing it for them. Now that's hard to have patience enough for to, to not to to have patience to to sit with the silence and not mm -hmm. jump to a solution. I mean, Heather solves everything. I, this right. is a problem solving <laughs> show. You want answers. I want to fix it. Right. One way that I learned how to um, develop a practice of sitting with things is by um, learning how to stay open, um, a concept that I learned um, in reading one of my very favorite books that I recommend to just about everybody, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And it's about a lot of different things. But one thing that I really took away from it was um, being released from needing to have an opinion about everything or have even an emotion or a feeling about everything that I think of and trying to keep my heart in a place of openness, thinking about it as, um, as a, as a hallway or a breezeway for thoughts to come in and keep moving for moving through in so mm. like in an energy kind of way. And that if I pause, if I block a thought I, and, I, and I apply, you know, feelings or opinions or too much rumination on it, rather than just like naming it and letting it move on, if I, let, if I take it and ruminate on it, that it causes a blockage for other thoughts. And, it, mm -hmm. and I kind of imagine like this traffic jam of thoughts that can't get through. And, yeah. and because I'm sitting with this one thing and that helps me in times of 
being kind of like stuck in unfairness because mm. I try to stay open to what could be, you know, let that go through and maybe, you know, you can assign it, as, you know, like name it to tame it. You can name it as, you know, this yeah. is this is frustrating. You know, this is sad. Um, you know, this is something I don't understand, but but not sit and ruminate on it. Does that make right. sense to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think that that sense of openness is is wonderful, both in thinking about how we deal with our own emotions and then also being open to the grief and the pain of other people that that we are sitting with, you know, again, rather than trying to solve it immediately. And and of course, that comes from a caring place, right? Like we we want to take that pain from them. We want them not to feel that hurt because we know what it, what it feels like to feel that way. And it sucks. So it comes from a place of, of genuine care, but is actually working against what we're hoping to do, which is, I think, exactly as you're saying, fostering that openness, creating that space to just kind of be together, be with it and to you know remind yourself and, and the person that you're with, like, yes, it sucks. I'm here with you and I'm here for you, whatever that means. I really like this quote from Lori Deshen. She is the founder of one of my favorite websites, Tiny Buddha. And she says, we can't change mistreatment that happened in the past. We can address mistreatment that's happening now. We can't change someone else's decision or behavior if they aren't willing to change. We can change how we respond to them. We can't change things that have the tragedies that have occurred in our own lives or in places across the globe. But we can support causes that seek to prevent future tragedies or even spearhead our own. We can't guarantee outcomes for our actions, but we can increase the odds of making a difference. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about ways that we can be a force for peace and calm in the world, this unfair world that we live in. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. We're trying, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather, and I'm so excited to announce that my book is ready for you to pre-order. It's called Happy Healthy You, Breaking the Rules for a Well-Balanced Life. I wrote this book because the healthy living to-do list is short and simple. Eat healthy, exercise, get some rest, and don't stress out. But knowing and doing are two different things. So help is here. We're going to explore how to understand your values and priorities, set boundaries, create a true vision for your life, and enjoy the benefits of healthy living right now. It's a 52-week guide, your path to finding a healthy lifestyle that suits your unique needs. Each entry includes a story with inspiration and advice, as well as a journaling prompt, weekly assignment, and reflection questions. I can't wait for you to read it. It'll be in stores May 2022, but you can pre-order it now wherever books are sold. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. And today, we are talking about how life is not fair bad things happen to good people, we have a hard time understanding how that can be, 
what we're supposed to do in response, what we're supposed to say, how we can resolve our own conflicted feelings about that. And when we were going out to the break, I was sharing a quote from uh, Lori Deshen. She's the founder of Tiny Buddha. If you don't go to Tiny Buddha every single day and make your life better, you need to start doing it now because that place Great is time. a, oh my gosh, it's it's just, it's a good place to start the day. And I want to um, I want to share some more of her words. She says, we, we are only human. We will sometimes give in to our emotional responses. And what's important is that we try to move beyond them. So we don't let the things that we can't control take control of us. And that's where I want to pick up this conversation um, again with, with you, Sheldon, because part of the way that I feel when I'm sad or frustrated that bad things are happening to good people, especially when those good people are my close friends who I am now sharing this really painful experience with, is this, this kind of selfish feeling of, well, I, I don't know if selfish is the right word, but it feels kind of self-serving mm. because I'm really feeling bad for myself of what, why I can't take this off of them. And I feel like it's survivor's guilt. Like, why, mm -hmm. why is this happening to them? And, you know, like, and, and I'm sitting here so blessed. Like, how do I reconcile my life being so, like, unharmed? I've just totally jinxed it by saying that. But, I mean, it's not to say that bad <laughs> things aren't going to happen to me. But to this right. point, nothing really bad has happened to me. And, and I have people in my life for whom there have been terrible things. And I, I, all I can do is sit with them. That doesn't feel like enough. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, and I think, I mean, it, it goes back to, you know, that quote that you just shared a minute ago of control, you know, and, and that it is so hard to let go of that sense of control because when things like that happen, it, it just breaks apart our world in a way that feels utterly senseless. And we, we feel like we're just kind of, again, like just spinning out of control and, and we, we want to be able to manage. We wanna be able to keep it all together. We wanna have a, like a unified system that kind of makes sense of everything, you know, and then it doesn't. And so that, that idea of controlling what you can control and being able to let go of whatever is outside of your control is, is I think absolutely crucial and really key and really stinking hard because we don't want to give up that control because giving up that control means we don't have the answers. It means that anything could happen at any time. It, you know, there, it just brings up so much uncertainty and anxiety, right? And so being able to give it up is, is really hard and really important. Um, but I, and I think in terms of, you know, how to, how to deal with survivor's guilt. Um, I mean, for me, I think number one, what, one thing I always, you know, want to be very clear about saying is, uh, therapy is really good. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> go, go to therapy. I mean, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm, I'm very thankful that in my seminary education, our professors were very clear with us that you are not therapists. You are mm -hmm. not psychoanalysts. You are pastors. There are certain things that you just can't deal with. So help get people into therapy. So go to therapy. I mean, I mean, really and truly, because that's part of what you can work on through that is relinquishing that control. And particularly, you know, if this experience of survivor's guilt 
is so strong in you that it's hard to cope, you know, it part of what that can do is it can help change the narrative in your in your brain, literally, right? It's it's a rewriting of the story to where we, we have it framed in, in a particular way. And through some professional help and intervention, that story can get reframed for us in a way that is not going to answer all our questions. It's not going to make everything, all the bad things go away, but it will help us just face the reality of, of every single day and, you know, dealing with, with the uncertainty and the, the lack of control. So I think therapy is always a great place to start. I think we often think of it as a, a good place to end, right? Like try this, 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 and this, and then if you still are miserable, go to therapy. I think it's a great place to start. Start I agree. <laughs> I agree. I um, really, really hope that we're continuing to to peel away at the stigma of yeah. of you know working with somebody to help us kind of see the the big picture of our lives. And you know we have the same um, scope of practice, um, you know boundaries in coaching. You know because yeah, yeah, sometimes sure. people will come to me as a health coach, and it becomes apparent pretty quickly that they've got some some other things that need to be resolved before right. they're ready you know to work on on what they want to work on with me and right. a lot of times it is about going and healing a past so that you can move forward that's right and um there is still some you know hesitation of what does it mean if i if i decide to go to therapy mm -hmm. and it means that you're a responsible adult who that's right yeah, you know exactly. wants to feel better <laughs> there's Absolutely. people who have made it their life's work to help you with this so let them yes yeah and that's that's part of what i love about being a pastor is that it's not my job to psychoanalyze people and to help them through that but i can be another resource that helps kind of shepherd them through that right and can even process with them afterwards and be that encouraging voice that continues to encourage them to go back and keep doing those things but i mean i think you know in addition to that i think having having grace for yourself in the midst of that right to recognize for yourself that you know i don't have to have all of the answers i don't have to figure all of this out i don't have to make it make sense for me or for anyone else. And it's okay for me to have unresolved questions. It's okay for me to be angry. It's okay for me to feel this guilt that those feelings are normal, right? Like, I think part of it is we can get in that loop in our brains of we feel this thing and then we feel crazy for feeling this thing. And then we're like, why am I feeling this thing? And then it just kind of spirals out of control, right? But to recognize that it's a completely normal thing to feel and so that we, can give ourselves that space to feel those things, to grieve in the ways that we need to grieve, and to offer ourselves the grace that we are, I think, generally more willing to offer to other people, right? Like if somebody said the kinds of things to me that I say to myself in my head, I would immediately like try to remind them of the grace that exists for them, right? But when it's all internal, when I'm saying it to myself, I don't give myself that same grace. I go down the doom loop, you know? So finding out how to give yourself the same kind of grace that you want to and do often give to the people that you love as they are going through those things. What can be some cues for that? Because I can definitely see myself in that situation where, you know, I, I will definitely be a lot harder on myself than yeah. I ever would be on somebody else. How can I notice that and, and change my, my thought process into one that is giving grace back to myself oh that's a or great question accepting grace. yeah yeah i mean i think in, in you know again 
therapy, the best. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's 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 about noticing it for yourself in concrete ways, right? So whether everyone has a different has different ways of going about this. Like I know a lot of people love journaling. I've never been much of a journaler. Like I just I've tried. I I don't know. I don't. Maybe my brain is broken in some way that it just doesn't work for me. But maybe that does for you, right? So maybe it's you know, writing, even if it's not like a full journal, but writing down like what you're thinking and feeling in that moment, like in that, in that moment where you are feeling particularly low or those things are kind of spiraling out of control, write down what you, what you're thinking and feeling and read it back to yourself as if it's someone else saying it to you. And like, think to yourself, like, does this sound right? (laughs) You know, like, does this, what, what would I say to me? Right. What Mm -hmm. would I say to, you know, if it were my my spouse or my best friend who were saying these things to me, what what would I what would I think and what would I feel? You know, and how how might I respond in that situation? Because sometimes just the simple act of like getting it out of your body and having it kind of reflected back to you can be really cathartic and helpful. Not like to realize like in a, almost in a sense like these thoughts are kind of crazy. You know, like not not like crazy in a bad way, but like yes, this this is unhelpful. These are these are not good things for me to think about and to dwell on. And so instead I need to find out how to, you know, find that grace for myself as well. And sometimes just recognizing that, you know, these thoughts aren't helpful or they're not productive or they're not Mm -hmm. fair. And that, and they're out of my control, right? I'm I'm obsessing about things that are out of my control. So again, for me, that has been the most helpful thing is that control question is to recognize when I'm feeling certain things. And when I go down that doom loop, is this something I can control or is it not? Okay, if it's not, what can I control in the midst of this that might help me feel better about it or, or whatever, right? Like, what are the things that I can actually control? Because I'm like you, I wanna solve everything. I wanna have you know, a 10-step plan that gets the job done, right? So set aside the things I can't control, focus on the things I can. Well, when we come back from the break, there's one word that I really wanna ask Sheldon about. I wanna know what he thinks. Because when I hear it, I have mixed emotions. So stay with us. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything, and we'll be right back. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying today's show, come on over to Facebook and Instagram. That's where I post all of the extra stuff, and I'd love to connect with you there. Don't go anywhere. The conversation continues right now. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you. Put a to. Welcome back. It's your thing. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I'm here with my friend, the Reverend Sheldon Steen. I call Sheldon in when I've got questions about God, what God thinks about things, because Sheldon should know those things. <laughs> I am the voice of you, God. You have a direct, direct link. <laughs> if only. But honestly, guys, Sheldon is the guy that I go to when I've got big questions about life why things are the way they are. And the reason is because I really appreciate his perspective. And today we've been talking about when life isn't fair, about not just life's not fair, but how do we move forward productively in life in spite of the fact that it's not fair? How do we avoid getting distracted by things that are not fair? How do we find the words to 
to to sit with somebody or or say nothing with somebody when when they are in unfair circumstances and how do we resolve our own feelings of survivor's guilt of why is my life so great and my my friends is falling apart and we know there's no guarantees we know that things can change on a dime but we're struggling with with that and i think that's a fair thing to talk about you know there are there are subjects that we all have like the right words for and we've practiced the conversations and then there are some that we stumble through and i think that this show can be a part a place where we are allowed to stumble through and one word that I, I told Sheldon I was going to ask him his opinion on this word is one that I stumble over because it's for, well it's everywhere for one and I wonder whether or not it means what it used to mean what does it mean is it losing its meaning and that's the word blessed it can be used in so many different ways you know it's a hashtag too blessed to be stressed <laughs> blessed to be a blessing you know, it, it, the cynical part of my brain rolls its eyes when I see that somebody is just blessed and they they use blessed as a word to say, well, it's OK. Everything's fine. And I'm glad that they feel that way. But I don't always feel like a like that. And and I don't think I'm alone in that. And I wonder what do you feel about the word blessed and blessing and the, how we are supposed to be living with that word and that concept? Yeah, I, I pretty much share your cynicism for the word, <laughs> which is kind of unfortunate because I, I feel like I should have a more robust sense of what blessing is right, as a pastor, right? Um, but, but you're right. I mean, there's, there's this kind of, there's this use of this word that has just just absolutely drives me crazy. Um, mostly because when we when we see people use it, whether they mean to or not, or whether they would even like phrase it in this way explicitly, what they tend to mean is often number one, it's related to some kind of material thing, right? Like I got this thing, what a blessing. Uh, and number two, it, it has everything to do with you know a, a good thing has happened to me that that I deserve, right? Because I, like I earned this blessing, you know, I, I went to church for long enough and I, I had enough faith. Again, like, I don't think people say this explicitly, but I, I think that is, that is behind it. Um, now, so for me personally, like I, I try not to use, I never use the word like blessing in kind of personal conversation kind of things. Like I never say I'm, I'm blessed in this way or that way. I just, because I don't know what that means. And I, I feel like it's it's too much of a minefield for exactly the reasons that, that you've named. Um, I do talk about it in prayer, of course. I do talk about it in sermon. I mean, I just, we just preached on the, the Sermon on the Mount last week. You know, we're talking a lot about blessing and, and being blessed. In fact, I think my sermon coming up this Sunday is, is titled, How to Be Blessed. So <laughs> oh, you might learn some more <laughs> this Sunday, Heather. <laughs> but, but, you know, for me, I, I try to... Uh, decouple blessed and blessing from like particular concrete things and think of it more in terms of like actions you, you know so for instance I think love 
is a blessing. Like whatever, wh how will we define blessing? I think love is a blessing. It's, it's a gift, right? It's, it's something that is good to experience. I think forgiveness is a blessing. I think grace is a blessing. So for me, when I talk about being a blessing, I, it can come off as kind of this arrogant, like here I am to bless you, you unblessed needy person, right? Where I don't, that's not what I want to communicate. What I want to communicate instead is like for us to be a blessing means to do good things. It means to love people. It means to care for people. It means to show compassion. It means to enact justice in our systems. You know, like it, that's, that to me is the kind of blessing, at least in, in my understanding of God, that's what God wants from us. You know, so it, if I, it's, I mean, think about the Lord's prayer, right? It's um, forgive us our debts or trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us or, you know, our debtors. Um, it is this, there's this kind of reciprocity there where, we, we give and receive and we give and receive, you know, uh, we love because God first loved us, right? It's this recognition that I receive incredible love and grace from God. Therefore, my job is to go share and spread that love and grace with others. And I think that is a blessing. I think that is blessedness. I think blessing really is a call, a call to share that love and that grace with other people. You know, that makes a lot of sense, and, and it helps me to feel um, better about how I think about the word blessed, because I I, th I shared that same perspective um, that you um, articulated so well of, well, you know, it must be it must be nice, like this wonderful thing, like I'm so lucky, like, mm -hmm. you know, my life is so great, I'm so blessed, and it always has sounded hollow and felt misplaced to me and yeah and that's exactly why it, it just it, it brought to it brought to to light for me the injustice in the world and yeah. you know that yeah. there are so many people who are experiencing hardship and and even people who are more evolved than me will even in those moments consider themselves to be blessed and i think right. that is an amazing much more enlightened place to be than I am. And I hope yeah, that I yeah. achieve that someday. But it's always <laughs> been this strange word for me. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like we're at the very tip of the iceberg of so many different conversations. You'll definitely need to be back again and help yeah. us make sense of the world or help me make sense <laughs> of the world so that I can be a blessing to others. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Talking about blessing, <laughs> wanting to bless people. You know, but what I can do, though, guys, is I can help you to find what you can do to make your life better. So hang on for just one sec because I'm going to get coachy on you. We've been talking a lot about control. You know, sometimes what feels unfair in the world and sometimes, you know, what we what those thoughts that we that we ruminate on our control issues. And sometimes what we consider to be our blessings, we might feel guilty for because we didn't do anything to deserve them. There's nothing that we've done that's in our control that we have done to deserve these blessings. And so I want to leave you today with the concept of control alt delete. I know you've done it. And I want you to think about control alt delete when you're thinking about what's not fair. 
Assess what you can control. Look around to what you can affect in the future, knowing that we can't control what has happened in the past. We can't control all the circumstances around us, but we can be a force for good. We can be a blessing to others. Alter what you can. Alt. Alter what you can. Change your behavior. Change your perspective. Do what you can to be a blessing a a positive spot, a ray of sunshine in somebody else's life to help bring those moments of unfairness um, and, and soften the edges of those so they know that they're not alone. And delete, delete the negative thought patterns that are holding you back, the ones that remind you of what's unfair and keeps you facing the darkness. And instead, Delete those so there's room for light, so that there's room for you to see where your blessings are, and there's room to see room to see where God is leading you to discover how you have the strength within yourself to get through those unfair and tough times. There is so much more to talk about, and I definitely want to extend this conversation, but for today, we are out of time. Sheldon, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a a lot of fun. Well, guys, I want you to stay in touch with me and the show on Facebook. Just look for Heather Solves Everything. And if you have a problem to solve, just click on Solve My Problems at heathersolveseverything.com to submit a show topic idea, and we will get it done together. I hope that something great happens for you today. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I'm always here to help you solve everything. To connect with Heather and find out more about today's show, just look for Heather Solves Everything on Facebook and Instagram. With a little help from your friends, you can solve everything too.